Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello. Wonderful to see you back at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a curious little item. This is not something that is too unfamiliar to those who uh, deal and have had experience with antiquities. Of course, it is a brass key, one that might open uh, a door of some sort to an old, uh, maybe an old Victorian home, maybe an old manor, some palatial manor on the English countryside. But this brass key, quite odd. Uh, there are some engravings on this key. Uh, some look Hebrew, some look geometric. And while individually the key, the symbols, the shapes, they all seem quite benign, uh, when put together, they unlock the door to horror. And that is the subject of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at Shudder's The Cellar. I have to be quite honest with you. I did my episode on Firestarter here uh, earlier this week, and I'm, I'm just getting over COVID, and I was so disheartened by Firestarter, and just kind of, kind of in a funk, feeling, feeling uh, the sickness, if you will, with COVID. That it, it dawned on me. Oh my God! I've got Thursday's show coming up. And I haven't watched anything. I haven't done anything to prepare for an episode. So I'm I'm scrambling, kind of looking. You know, we've got some things coming up next week. Uh, we've got some things down the road. There's a lot of things coming out, movies, TV shows, some TV shows wrapping up, some series wrapping up uh, that we're going to be talking about in the near future. But I, I just didn't have anything right offhand to talk about. So I'm like, you know what? Shudder has a lot of... Um, movies that have come out recently, Shutter Originals, if you will. So, you know, maybe I'll take a look at some of those and see if something uh, piques my curiosity. And uh, one of them did, because it draws on an old fear of mine and an old fear of many children, The Cellar. Of course, this movie came out on Shudder, released on Shudder. April 15th is when it came out. I hadn't had a chance to watch it, although it's one of those uh, movies that I'm like, oh, it's on my radar. I'll, I'll check it out eventually. So I sat down and I decided, you know what? I'm going to watch this movie and good, bad, or indifferent, by God, we're going to talk about it on Hodge Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I was praying this was going to be a good movie. Uh, and it wasn't going to be a flusher because, you know, I, I don't like to dish on films. I want to talk about good films. I want to talk about films that really scare me and fill me full of dread or films that kind of satiate that uh, love of fantasy or the uh, exploration of the unknown in science fiction. I, I want to talk about good movies and TV shows that delve into those things. I, I don't like talking shit on <laughs> movies and actors, but this movie, uh, it, it didn't do anything to fulfill that desire to not 
talk bad about a movie. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't mean that it didn't have some good things about it. So, you know what? I, I watched this movie. Uh, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I think, like I said, it had a lot of good things going for it. It had a lot of bad things going for it. And I thought, you know, you know, like I said, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm going to talk about this movie. And here we are. So first and foremost, uh, there's a couple names attached to this. Uh, a couple actors that actually, you know, they, they've got some, they've got resumes. Of course, uh, Alicia Cuthbert, uh, a lot of people know her from uh, 24. That's where my wife is. She's like, that's, that's the girl from 24. She was blonde then, but she, uh, uh, a big part of the 24 series. She's a movie I love, Goon, The Last Enforcer, because I love hockey. Uh, she was in some other TV series. The Ranch. I, I didn't mind her in that. That was a, a quasi-funny show. So, you know, she's done some things. Uh, she was in, even in the revival of the Are You Afraid of the Dark series on Nickelodeon back in the uh, like late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know, she's she's got some, uh, you know, she's got quite a resume. Uh, also, Owen Mackin, who is uh, probably, for, for my money, one of the better actors in this movie. Uh, of course, he's done you know tons of uh, tons of movies. Uh, Resident Evil: Final Chapter. Done a lot of television. Uh, was on the Tudors. Merlin. He was in uh, Night Flyers. Uh, one of the main cast on that, and of course, most recently in the uh, TV series La Brea, which I have not watched, but it seems interesting enough for network television. But uh, so so you got a couple actors that that got some some uh, bona fides to them. And I thought, okay, this this a good start. You got some some actors with some some name recognition, some credibility. But it was going to take a lot more than a couple of actors I knew the names of in passing to make this movie work. And I, I I like the premise of this movie. This family, the Woods family. Alicia Cuthbert plays Kira Woods. Owen Mackin plays uh, her husband Brian. They've got two kids. Uh, Stephen, who's kind of like uh, he's kind of like the precocious 10 11 12 year old also ellie woods played by abby fitz who is the bitchy teenage daughter they move into this house and it really kind of plays into the the old trope the old stereotype uh in in many horror movies i i don't know if they did it first but probably uh most notably done in uh the amityville horror a family looking to buy a house on the cheap, buys a haunted house. And this is really kind of the, the epitome of the stereotype because this is this big, uh, sprawling Irish manor. It looks like a haunted house. They talk about how they bought it at auction and with all the all the stuff from the previous owners. That never turns out bad, does it? But they move into this house. The daughter's upset because she's moved they moved away from her friends. It's a twenty minute drive from where they used to live and she's not gonna be able to see her friends on the regular. The little kid, Steven, is just happy go lucky and thinks everything's cool. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a premise that has been used in horror films since the dawn of time and it's been used a hundred times it's going to be used a hundred thousand more so I, that i don't mind i know a lot of reviewers and a lot of people critiquing this movie had a problem with that but you know it's it's a trope for a reason because it works uh sometimes it works 
Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Now, one of the things I thought was kind of interesting uh, and odd is that the the parents, they really kind of gave these parents a, like a cool, trendy job. These guys, Kira and Brian Woods, have like an ad agency of sorts. They work in advertising and promotions, and they've got a meeting they've got to go to the first night they're at this new house, which seems kind of odd. I've, I've worked in advertising uh, of sorts in, in radio for a great many years, and uh, I, I don't know how many nighttime uh, promotions meetings uh, are, are going on out there, but it, it seemed a little odd that the they couldn't come up with something better for the couple to be doing, like going to a party or, or something like that. It had to be a meeting for work. And, and I think they used that to introduce what was, a I think, a failed theme of this. They're working on this ad campaign where they're going to create a blogger uh, who's going to be played by an actress and this blogger is going to infiltrate social media and set the tone and, and, and set the, you know, dictate what's being talked about uh, by the youth do polls about to who's prettier and stuff like that. And it, it kind of played into what we find out later. They're creating a very superficial character with this ad campaign and a superficial character that promotes superficial things uh they've got a daughter who's into anarchy and she's uh, a rebel and we find out later that she's been bullied and i see how they were trying to play those two things against each other uh play how the mother is promoting one lifestyle but her daughter is living another lifestyle and how she doesn't really know her daughter didn't really know her daughter uh they they introduce these themes and then don't really follow through with it but at any rate kira and brian woods they're at this nighttime meeting uh their daughter and son are left at home alone and creepy things start happening as you will have in most haunted house movies. Uh, lights start going out. You see this presence coming up from the, the cellar. Very foreboding. The lights go out and Ellie calls her mother. Her mother is trying to walk her through what to do about going down into the cellar and checking the, the fuse box. Well, she's very scared. Uh, Ellie's scared to go down into the cellar. So they do this really weird scene where the mom is on the phone with her and having her count the steps as she walks down. Because the mother, at a glance, knows that there are 10 steps that lead to the basement. And it's, it's all very convenient. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that is all quite convenient but the mother knows exactly how many steps there are to the bottom and she's on the phone while her daughter counts each step she walks down and when she gets to 10 she thinks she's going to stop she's hit the bottom she even says so much you've hit the bottom and the daughter keeps counting and counting and counting and counting and we find out that the daughter has disappeared and the rest of the movie plays off of the whodunit sort of scenario of what happened to ellie where did she go why did she disappear kira woods kind of does this like her own investigation she's finding weird things in the house the weird uh, things that are happening in the house are going on, uh, lights and, and weirdness that way. You've got these symbols and geometric shapes over all the doors. She's trying to figure out what's going on with that, what that means. The police are also conducting an investigation, but it all seems very half-hearted. And the family just doesn't seem to care that she's gone. 
at any point. No one really seems upset. Now I know they I know this has been a problem with some of the some reviewers and some critics uh, is that nobody seems upset. And I get to a degree why they didn't have anyone being terribly upset because they did establish that she has run away before on multiple occasions. So I, I get it that no one's terribly upset because they're, they think she just ran away again and she's going to come back in a few days. But still, you don't have to have these characters breaking down and bawling, uh, where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? But there needs to be some emotion and there's just no emotion out of anybody. The, the little boy comes up at one point. Uh, is Ellie back? Nope. Okay. He's off to play video games or with his drone or what have you. That was probably one of the things that just bothered me the most out of this. There was just no emotion out of anyone. Uh, the only person you really got some emotion out of was uh, Owen Mackin. He, like I said, he was the bright spot as far as acting. Uh, there were some... Uh, scenes where you actually got some emotion out of him as the father trying to to deal with a wife who's kind of going off the rails trying to figure out this mystery and a, a father who his daughter's missing he's trying to keep life, life regular for his son uh, you get a little emotion out of him it was still it still felt reserved it still felt like he wasn't really going for it and i don't know if that's so much a performance choice on his part or if it's the direction or even the writing but uh but i felt you did get some emotion out of him there's a couple of scenes with with ellie played by abby fitz who did a she did a fun, she did an okay job she played the bratty teenager and this this character i mean i know it's how it's written you feel a little empathy for her later when you find out she was bullied but she's still a, a raging brat and just not likable even when she's scared for for no apparent reason they just moved into this house she has no reason to be afraid of the cellar other than the uh, cellar door sticking but she just is not a likable character you almost wish she would disappear in the beginning. And and there is that scene at the very beginning where she kind of walks into the, the stairwell going down to the cellar. The door shuts and they can't open it up. And she's supposed to be like upset. She's supposed to be freaking out, panicking. If she's that scared of the cellar, why isn't she freaking out and panicking? But she just is very nonchalant about it. Let me out. Come on, let, let me out. Let me out, guys. If that were me, and I've been in that scenario before as a kid, I would have been freaking out. And you didn't get that out of her. There was no urgency to anyone in this movie. There were a couple scenes with Alicia Cuthbert that I just wanted her to like freak out, be be upset that your daughter's missing, be be frightened that uh, something is going on that you're she's now locked behind the cellar door and and can't get out. Uh, there's just no emotion to any of these actors, for the most part. Like I said, uh, Owen Mackin aside, uh, you got a little bit of emotion out of him, but my God, Alicia Cuthbert, she didn't do anything to help me want to see more of her in anything. Like I said, I enjoyed her for her part in The Ranch. It's an It was an okay show. It, it, it got a little old. It was funny, and then they just rehashed the same jokes over and over again. But she just had this blank slack-jawed, emotionless look on her face through like the whole movie. And this is a woman that's supposed to be upset her daughter is missing. 
she thinks there's some sort of supernatural foul play afoot and you just get nothing out of just this blank look on her face. And I'm like, come on, give me something. Give me some reason to give a shit that you're upset that your daughter is missing. There again, I don't know if that's a choice by the actor or if that is a choice from the director, but, uh, but it was a huge failing of this movie. Now, one of the cool aspects of this movie is the kind of whodunit. I don't think they did it very well. Like I said, all the information came quite convenient. Kira finds these symbols over top of all the doors in her house. And she gives it to somebody she works with that apparently can look things up on Google. And she finds out that the letters are Hebrew and that, oh, if you, and, and this is, I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little, but this is pretty close to the actual line. Uh, the, the letters are Hebrew. If you put them in a certain order, they spell Leviathan. Oh, oh, oh really? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, it was so like nonchalant and what in the world, like what Google search do you do with Hebrew symbols that will give you any inclination that the right order of these symbols spells Leviathan. It was just all too easy. Kier Woods comes across a doctor, Dr. Fournette, played by Aaron Monaghan, who I actually really liked his performance in this. He was kind of quirky and he at least had some emotion and, and really his character felt like he was invested in the movie or invested in what's going on, but he, he's a, a regular guy who got in an automobile accident, hit his head and came out a genius and which just seemed like why he couldn't just be an expert in the field. I know that's probably a little cliche to have the convenient expert, but to have a guy who hit his head in an accident and came out a genius, and now he can take mathematical equations and essentially visualize them, draw them. I mean, some of the stuff they showed looks like he used a, one of those, uh, what were they, spirographs in the late 70s, 80s. But they, they make a big deal about this, the fact that he can draw these equations and she finds an equation kind of uh, etched into the concrete floor of their cellar. And then it really doesn't have any bearing on it. I mean, that never comes into play again, the fact that he can draw these. He just says, oh, it looks like a portal. Well, is that your expert opinion or or, or what? It just it seems like uh, the information just comes too easy. Uh, you have convenient people with convenient tidbits of information that all kind of drag this character along to the conclusion of the movie. And then we get the final piece of the puzzle. She talks to the daughter of the man who formerly owned this house. He was a scientist, a mathematician who dabbled in the occult because of a sick kid, uh, came up with this equation that can apparently unlock a portal to hell. And she talks to this woman who apparently never talks to anybody, but when she shows up, she's gabbing like uh, Harriet Olson running the switchboard in Little House on the Prairie. But she gives the final piece of information that Leviathan is not the real name of this entity that is behind the portal that they can obviously open up. And of course, she does some more research, and we find that the the real problem is Baphomet. 
Baphomet, one of the, I believe, seven demons of hell. Uh, anybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons uh, has, has probably run across Baphomet from time to time. But they use a lot of the, the symbology of the depictions of Baphomet throughout this. There are all these geometric shapes with all the Hebrew letters over the doors throughout the house. Uh, five of them are triangles, and then there is a pentagon. And of course, if you put the pentagon, you put the triangles on the different sides of the pentagon, you get a pentagram. Bum, bum, bum. Those damn dirty devil worshippers. But, uh, but, and I, I liked this aspect. This was where the movie kind of got interesting. I liked the idea of, of all these hidden shapes and letters and the mystery of, of it being a demon and this opening a portal to hell and the mystery of that, I, I like the idea of that. I love that sort of stuff, the demonology stuff of it. Uh, it just wasn't handled very well. It wasn't handled like a, a real mystery. We didn't really uncover anything before the protagonists do. We're just kind of piecemeal dealt out the answers to all the questions uh, as we get the question, just like the, the characters in this. Now, outside of a couple little jump scares, uh, this movie is not very scary. Once it gets to the end, once they open up this portal inadvertently, you get some really creepy scenes. Uh, the young boy, Stephen, is down in the cellar when his parents inadvertently open up this portal. And you kind of see this dark shape in the background kind of just just barely into the darkness and then it slowly and slowly becomes more defined and more in focus until you see the this shape of this horned goat head demon it was truly a, an unnerving scene uh one that i thought they did really well i mean it's not a it's not an earth-shattering scare. It's not an earth-shattering reveal. But they did that well. And it was creepy. Um, when Baphomet is unleashed and you kind of get this uh, shot of Kira as she's in the in the stairwell to the cellar. And you know Baphomet's making its way up the stairs. And she runs and hides under a table, which a ridiculous place to hide. But uh, you hear the clomping of the cloven feet walking up the stairs the sound design a little it seemed a little metallic for my liking uh if they would have just made it more deep thudding clompy sounds i i would have i felt that would have worked a little better but like i said it just it sounded like clomping on a old pie tin it sounded awkward but it was still effective enough that that clomping of the feet coming up the stairs and just that anticipation of when it's going to come into the door, when you're going to see it and get the reveal. And and they had a big reveal of Baphomet, which uh, the creature design and all wasn't great. I would have liked to have seen something a little more spectacular, but it wasn't horrible. I mean, it was a fairly simple goat demon looking creature. Uh, very hairy, very dark. I, I didn't mind it. I, I would have liked something a little more just something with a little just something to pop on the screen a little more because if it's lit the way it is with a lot of candlelight a lot of flashlight and telephone light it, it just doesn't pop on the screen at all and i wanted this creature to really kind of feel like it was going to reach out and grab me another thing i really did kind of like is that when kira goes down these steps 
And I don't know whether it's a mental thing or going into another dimension thing, but all of a sudden the 10 steps of the cellar stairway uh, turn into dozens of steps, uh, quite a long staircase. And she walks down into it, Baphomet's following her, and she opens the door into this almost, I don't know whether it's like a circle of hell. You see all these lines of people counting, because that's a big thing towards opening up this portal is counting. And you see all these people, many of them counting into the millions. When when Ellie disappears and she's going down the steps, she keeps counting on the phone until they lose reception. Or I, I, they don't really explain how the call ends. But you see all these people in line, in these, these multiple lines, just going on forever, counting. And Kira, conveniently enough, she, she feels a little defeated. How is she ever going to find her daughter? And... <laughs> And she's uh, down on her knees and she notices the anarchy tattoo that her daughter got on her ankle at some time in a, you know, off camera. Finds her daughter and rescues her. They go back up the stairs. Baphomet's chasing them. And she shuts the cellar door and the key that's hanging beside the cellar door, she locks it and Baphomet's defeated. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? That's all she had to do was lock the cellar door. So I thought, oh, okay, here we go. Here's the, here's the ending that I was afraid we we're going to have. Baphomet's defeated by locking the door and the family's all together and happiness and kumbaya. And it's just very saccharine how they're ending this. And then all of a sudden they're like, Kira's like, we've got to get going. We've got to leave. She opens the front door and she opens the door to reveal the stairway of the cellar. They're back at the bottom and the stairway going up and that they never left this this hell, this circle of hell, this purgatory, whatever you want to call it. They never left that. And the whole family is trapped there, which I thought was a, you know, I, I, at some point in the movie, I thought this movie really needs to have like a downer ending. This movie needs to have an ending that isn't happy. And I was so afraid that they, they weren't going to do that. They were going to give us the happy ending. And, and it seemed like they were going to, but they didn't. They gave us the very uh, Twilight Zone, Hitchcockian twist type ending that, that really, yeah, you know, you talk about subverting expectations. This subverted my expectation because I was not expecting it. I was expecting with this movie, as much as I didn't enjoy a lot of things of it, I was expecting it to have an ending that I wasn't going to enjoy. And I was completely wrong on that. I thought this was the right ending. This kind of downer, morbid, uh, nihilistic, if you will, ending that it's not happy. These This family like families in other houses before that they've uh, made reference to uh, this family disappeared and they'll never be seen again. And I like that because for a movie that just, uh, just really didn't hit on a lot of things for me, uh, the ending really hit. I, I really enjoyed the ending of this. Now, if you want to talk about the look of this movie, I, I, I didn't mind the look of the movie. Uh, the look of the movie, it, it it kind of was multifaceted. Uh, you had the the establishing shot of this Irish manor. It, it's the it's the stereotypical uh, kind of misty, foggy, kind of silvery sheen uh, look of a, a haunted house. There were scenes in the woods when they're searching for Ellie that 
you're very gray, very playing off the, the earthy tones, the grays, the silvers, the browns, the greens. A lot of the interior shots were, were shot uh, interesting. A lot of natural light, a lot of candlelight. But then they would do some scenes where uh, they're lit by like LED uh, flashlights and the flashlight on on cell phones which is a very cold light so you had kind of that uh, you know some scenes seem very warm other scenes seemed very cold lighting wise but having these simple light sources kind of played into the atmosphere of it this had a very much of a gothic feel with the old manor the lighting having that minimal lighting really played into the darkness and the the eeriness and the creepiness of it. I just think where this movie really lacked was in the the writing and directing. And I got to lay that at the feet of Brendan Muldowney. He was the writer and director of this. Now he hasn't done a lot. So, you know, he's, he, I think there's a lot of room to grow. Like I said, I thought there were a lot of good ideas here. I don't think it was executed as well as it could have been. This movie was only about an hour and a half long. I thought it could have used a little more time to to flesh out some of the ideas. You had this mystery that never really felt like a mystery. Uh, you had all these people that just dispensed information conveniently for the protagonist. And it all just seemed very easy. Like, okay, she's going to go here. She's going to find this piece of the puzzle. She's going to go there. She's going to get that piece of the puzzle. She's going to go to this third place, get this piece of the puzzle, look something up on the internet. Oh, she's got all the answers. Uh, there was no real journey for the characters, especially the Kira Woods character, who was really the the main protagonist of this. And then the characters. I, I just didn't believe any of these characters were upset about any of this. Uh, there was so much lack of emotion in this that, like I said, you know, Owen Mackin probably showed the most emotion out of any of the main characters, but uh, Alicia Cuthbert, uh, no emotion. Like I said, uh, just a blank look on her face most of the movie. Abby Fitz, I thought, did a good job, but there again, in, in scenes where she should have been freaking out in fear, there was just nothing there. Uh, the little kids, uh, Dylan Fitzmaurice Brady, uh, who played Stephen, uh, he did an okay job. He, you know, he kind of played the stereotypical precocious little brother, 9, 10, 11 years old, what have you. But there again, he just, you know, and, and I don't blame him. I, I blame the directing on this. I think the director should have got a little more out of some of these characters and some of these actors. I mean, this guy wrote, Brendan Muldowney, he wrote these characters. He wrote this story. Is this how he saw it in his head when he wrote this? These blank, emotionless expressions on the face of some of these actors. The just no sell of, of some of these lines of dialogue that are supposed to be uh, dripping with fear and dread. I, I, I would think not. And as the director, it's his job to coax that out of these actors. And it just didn't happen. Now, as much as I didn't really care for this film, I also thought it was a good idea. The The idea of the seller, I think, is such a, a fantastic way to, to do horror. Because I know as when I was a kid, and that's why I have a big problem with the scenes with Ellie and Kira when they're uh, trapped on the other side of the door of this of this cellar. I've been there before. You know, we had a cellar growing up 
and it just would scare the bejesus out of me. We have one of those uh, stairways leading down to the cellar where there was no backs on the stairs. Uh, so like I, I lived in constant fear going down into the cellar that somebody or something would reach through the steps and grab a hold of my ankle and drag me to whatever hell. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I or, or even worse, God knows what any sort of creature uh, could do to you under the under the stairs of the basement. But uh, but I've been there before because you know when we were little kids, we took great delight in locking each other in the cellar. And there were many a times where I would have been on the receiving end of this on the other side of that door at the top of the stairs, uh, the basement lights. The light switch was on the outside of the door, so my sister or my brother would shut that out. Luckily, there was a light in the stairway that was accessed inside there, so I could turn that on. But but just sitting there at the top of the stairs, sobbing because uh, they wouldn't let me out. And looking down into the blackness of the basement, of the cellar, and wondering what could be lurking around down there, ready to, to spring up those steps and grab me at any second. That's, that's terrifying stuff. That's the stuff of nightmares. That's the stuff that, uh, that kids just uh, wet themselves. I never wet myself, uh, just throwing that out there, but I could see how it could be a possibility. But, uh, but you know, that's the stuff that makes kids wet themselves in fear. And those are the kind of memories as an adult that I have that give me a healthy fear of things that go bump in the night, uh, the things uh, in the darker reaches, in the corners, those dark corners that you can't quite make out. Uh, I have a healthy fear of all that. Uh, as an adult, because of those experiences as a kid, being locked into the cellar and not knowing what could be coming my way. And so I th really thought this was a great idea for a horror film. Not that cellars, creepy cellars, haven't been a part of horror uh, in the past, but I but I like the idea of of dedicating a, a film to that. It just, it really had no bearing on the movie. This could have been a stairway to any place. It really didn't matter that it was a stairway down into the cellar. It didn't matter where this portal to hell, to Baphomet's realm, it didn't matter that it was in the cellar. Uh, it really had no bearing. The fact that this was taking place in the cellar had no bearing on the movie. It could have been anywhere. This portal could have been anywhere and the film would have been no better, no worse. Uh, so I really think they missed the mark on playing into the creepiness of the cellar. It wasn't, you know, this movie wasn't so much about the creepy cellar. It was about all the creepy circumstances that caused this portal to open. And even that wasn't that creepy because it was a lot of, a lot of math. And I was good at math when I was in school, but I'm out of school now and I don't want to have to deal with that. So all in all, I, this isn't a horrible movie. Uh, I didn't care for it. It wasn't as good as I thought it could have been. I Like I said, the ending I thought made, uh, made up for it. It really covered up a multitude of sins, uh, but still there are a lot of sins against uh, 
common sense and good filmmaking uh, committed by this movie. That doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it. I, I did enjoy it for what it was. I'm glad I watched it. I'll probably never watch it again. And I'd have to say if it wasn't for the fact that it did have the ending that it had, I probably wouldn't even say I enjoyed it. But the ending really uh, made up for a lot with me on this. Because there was a lot of missed opportunity here. They had a lot of good ideas that they just never followed through with. Uh, the mother-daughter relationship, her being a promoter of advertising that is all superficial, her daughter being a, uh, a free spirit and a rebel and them not connecting there, that just never played into anything. The Dr. Fournay, uh, his his being able to draw equations and things like that. It just had no bearing on the rest of the movie. The reason the previous owner of this house dabbled in the occult to open up this doorway to Baphomet really had no bearing on anything else in the movie. And of course, this movie made the cardinal sin of making me not really care about this family. I mean, the family unit is, is a strong entity in a movie. Uh, they did it perfectly in poltergeist we got to know that family we got to care about that family we got to love that family uh before all the shit uh broke down and that's why it was so scary and so traumatizing when the paranormal activity started happening is that we cared about this family and at no point did they make me care about this family at no point did they make me care about any uh, any of the relationships within this family and that to me probably the biggest most egregious misstep of this film so you know don't take my word for it check it out for yourself uh the seller it's on shutter like i said i i didn't hate the movie don't get me wrong. I, I've been bitching about it and telling you all the things that are wrong with it. But there are some enjoyable things about it. There are a couple decent scares. Uh, I really like the ending. And if anything, you know, I think you should at least give it a shot and uh, and see what you think. Because uh, you may totally disagree with me on all of this stuff. Uh, which it's okay. So that's my look at uh, Shudder's The Cellar. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Of course, coming up on Monday's show. A movie that I'm so excited to get to watch. I haven't watched it yet. I'll probably watch it this weekend. But I've been waiting for this movie to come out for a long time. And it's finally out. Uh, video on demand. The Hatching. A uh, foreign film that looks creepy and scary and bizarre and otherworldly. And I'm so excited to, to get a chance to watch this and and talk about it. We're going to do that on Monday's show. So uh, be looking forward to that. Check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook for all that's going on trailers to series and movies that are coming out uh, i'm always sharing articles from all over the internet about uh, different uh, horror fantasy and sci-fi and as always no matter where you're listening to this podcast whatever platform please subscribe share it spread the word please leave a review five stars would be awesome uh, that really helps with the algorithms that get this the show out there to get more people exposed to it and like i said uh and you can expose people yourself just uh just share it on your social media and we would greatly appreciate that so until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkin's curiosity shop 
We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!